1: How does someone who appears to have it all experience a horrific fall from grace? Today's guest, Nadia Davis, has been a public figure in California for two decades. She grew up the daughter of a famous immigrant rights attorney and later became the wife of the then state attorney general. Her rise crashed in a drama-filled public fall that included drug abuse, a sex tape, blackmail, incarceration, and many years of recovery as a mother and a woman. Nadia joins us today to discuss her journey of healing. Nadia is an attorney who has received numerous awards for her work, including the John F. Kennedy Jr. Service Award. She is the author of the book, Home is Within You, A Memoir of Recovery and Redemption. Welcome, Nadia. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me and
0: for what you do.
1: Thank you for that, Nadia. In your life, you have certainly experienced some of the highest highs and some of the lowest lows. Can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing and what led you to become an attorney?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I grew up in a busy household, the youngest of seven, seven kids within a nine-year span. And I had the blessing of a culturally diverse family. My mother is a German citizen, an immigrant from Germany, and grew up during the war. And she met my father here while visiting her sister. My father is Native American and Hispanic and was an orphan field worker who overcame many, many challenges to become himself an attorney, a bridge builder among social, political divides. And I admired him from afar and admired his unhealthy, self-medicating ways as a child. And he was my hero. And from a very early age on, I had just an instinct that I wanted to help people and save the world. And a variety of different little projects um, from Live Aid to canned food drives to many different things that helped me have a sense of worth and identity, um, taking me out from a very disassociated state and existence that's set in stone in this survivalist mind of ours. And from an early age I was sexually molested by a doctor and then had some racial bullying at the same time. And at the time I did not realize the imprint that was set in stone in my head of a it wasn't literal, but it was like a dirty little brown girl. And my instinct was, Well, okay, you know, I'll I'll prove them wrong. And That carried me through, you know, um, much of my life, balancing those two things. And that set of mental intrigues brought me through high school um, with a lot of awards, a lot of accolades. And I went to UCLA, a sociology major with a minor in juveniles and and justice. And there, a violent rape led me to a further uh, disassociated uh, struggled with some controlled eating and not filling myself with enough nutrition. That went away. Um, I entered law school in my father's footsteps following on his inspiration. And when he abruptly passed away, a whole other set began. You spent a,
1: a great deal of your early years becoming an overachiever, trying to prove everyone wrong. But at the same time, you were dealing with these these challenges of these traumas that had damaged your self-esteem and who you were, when did those two areas really go into conflict when this overachiever started to see the signs of the damage that had been inflicted upon you?
0: You know, I believe that the alcoholic drinking began when my father passed. Mm -hmm. And my father had an aura about him, a warmth, a just a whole entire approach to life that was very much my inspiration. And when he passed away, all faith in the world just went out the window. And I could not see good. And the core of me was so separated from what our core innocence is, that it was really that time where it, it really got very disassociated. Now, at the same time, following in his footsteps, helping others, I was representing a wrongfully convicted kid. I was president of Santa Ana School Board. I was working on, you know, prevention of teen pregnancy and had all these causes, receive state and national awards, and I was in my element. And so I was being filled with the outside while all this stuff was going on inside, My father abruptly passed away of a heart attack. And shortly thereafter, I was in a near-death car accident. Shortly after that, my best friend died. And so it was just one thing after another, not knowing how my mind was working, not knowing how to deal with 22 broken bones, having not been breathing for however many minutes I was dead when they found me. And then the death of my best friend, who was the one I had turned to, it was really right after that where the drinking dramatically increased, yet I was holding it all together. And that I met my, my ex-husband. So
1: to the outside and- world, you had this life that most people would be envious of, but internally it was like having a lid put on a pressure cooker. It was just waiting to yeah. erupt. Yes.
0: Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about, I love the title, Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. I believe that we first have to realize that our attitude is what we define it. It's not what anyone else says, oh, you have this attitude, you have a bad attitude, or, or you should have a better attitude. I believe, you know, any, anything that anyone says or does is either an act of love or a cry for it. And that when we are triggered, there's opportunities to dig deeper and do, and set aside time in our own time. To lift the layers that block us from a court innocence that we all are.
1: And what was your marriage like? What was your state at that
0: time? So I was exposed to a drug and on early on, and I got pregnant. And I was pregnant when we married, and it was a public announcement of a marriage that I hadn't really digested or made a decision about, and that. I had to survive and embrace and go along kind of with the flow of of a very, very uh, public branding of who I was. I left all of my work, all of my identity and everything and really just focused on my son. I knew that I was having a boy and as soon as I knew that I was pregnant, I knew with every single part of this body and my soul that this child was meant to be. And so my focus was through the innocence of his soul in me. Yet the household really was void of emotional connection and um, a bonding. But again, I did not know what that was. And so I did not know what that felt like. And so my focus was really creating an ambiance that remained calm that uh, nurtured my ex husband's very demanding role. And our bonding really happened in the special moments with our son, who we both adored. And I can say my ex husband has been a long, committed father to all of our children.
1: So after you had your first child, how long then until everything really began to unravel?
0: It was short in. And- the marriage where I began self-medicating to manage the outside triggers that were coming in from my husband, as well as the public uh, perception of just merely being the wife of, the, the younger wife of, and the gold digger or whatever else was being said. When I knew, even though I was disassociated, I knew what my truth was and my motivation and I felt that okay you know as long as my role as a mother as long as you know my ex is is calm and happy when I started being unable to manage my triggers was probably um, at about three years in the marriage and I began having flashbacks from the childhood molestation and when I mentioned it the focus became how my response was affecting my ex-husband and I felt guilty. And so it just further manifested into, okay, the fight, fight, freeze, but absolutely more so the appease mode and just go along with this. And more and more, it just kept building up to the point and the chronic pain would come in. I was unaware of how the pain somatically was triggering flashbacks. And so there came a point when I realized, okay, I'm 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 drinking too much. I am running for higher office. I'm running this major county family justice center that I love that job. And yet this is this is becoming, you know what we call in the program, unmanageability. And so at that point I reached out for help at Kaiser. And that is where I met a gentleman that I believed had my best interest in mind. And he did not
1: And Nadia, before you reached out for help, and I want to talk about the recovery in a moment, what was your lowest point? What were you experiencing when you hit rock bottom?
0: It was about five years after that. I hit rock bottom later Mm -hmm. when relapses resulted in separation from my children when I needed to go and get help. I believe that psychologically, the bond of my mind and having no skills to break free from the bond of my mind, that that journey thankfully began at the point after I was assaulted and exploited by a man that I met where I sought to get help. I, I know now today through first getting physical safety and then entering 12-step recovery. But most importantly, through trauma work, that our minds are survivalists. They're reptilian in nature, and they're merely helping us survive. Mm-hmm. And what I call them is attack thoughts. They're not defects. Um, I did not learn that until, until later, until probably it was 2017, where it really, truly was my rock bottom. I, I had done the work. I had had sobriety, I was separated from my husband, and with my children, and the triggers from a variety of different things, I picked up a drink, I did not continue drinking, but the ramifications were multiple, in terms of a variety of things, I had to go get trauma treatment, major trauma therapy, and at that point, that is where I learned to really lift the layers and connect to the core innocence of what we all are. I believe that our mind sends attack thoughts and it separates us from our true self and each other. And at the core of that is fear and judgment and shame and shaming. And so much of the work that I do today, I call it advocating for our spirit. But you know what we have been taught to feel shame about or in ourselves is what we feel vulnerable about. Human connection requires vulnerability. Reaching out for help requires us to be vulnerable, to share something risky. And so I fight today for identification of these attack thoughts that we can have self-compassion. We can tune into our true self, connect with our original core innocence. And that leads to a whole bunch of other beautiful things in our interactions with others
1: Mm -hmm. so many of us nadia we look externally for love and validation and acceptance and is that what the book title means home is within you that it's an inside job
0: it is within us and when we can first breathe and feel safe in our body if we're at a point where our bodies are actually reacting that is the first step to find that safety within and this is also what I teach my children, when we can sit and tune in to what that original spark was that created all of it. You don't have to call it, I call it it. And this is where Kundalini helps. There's no religion required, no God name required, nothing. It simply is the spark that created your first being. When we breathe and we can just sit In that, we can become more aware of our attack thoughts and find a home. Home is supposed to feel warm, safe, free of judgment, free of fear. And we do try and create it within our four walls, but home is within you. It's about something far more divine. Mm
1: -hmm. I agree, Nadia, because we spend so much of our lives looking out there for something to mm-hmm. make us feel fulfilled and important. But you're absolutely right. It's something very deep within us. We all have it.
0: Yes, everybody has it because it, that is our true source. We came from it. When I began on my journey of trauma recovery, my therapist, to am I, still have said to me, you are not a body. If you're not your body, you're not your thoughts. And it upset me because I said, well, of course I'm a body. This body got me, you know, to do all these different things, and, and it got me here. But what she showed me was a circle that is our, our true selves and then a pie piece of our mind and how our mind separates us and that our true core innocence, that circle is really surrounded by a huge heart, that that is our true core innocent self. And if we can somehow be in tune with it and have some balance, and create a home in that circle, knowing our true self, balancing it throughout the day, life becomes much more, much more manageable. And we can also observe when others are projecting their own fears and judgments onto us, but it all starts within.
1: Nadia, when A person is in pain and and dealing with different types of challenges in his or her life. We often feel like we're alone. You know, we don't like to reach out for help. And one of the things that I love is that you say asking for help makes you a hero. Why do you believe that's the case?
0: Asking for help makes you a hero because you are embracing vulnerability, knowing, knowing the source of the shame that is causing that vulnerability. When we reach out for help, you are setting that shame and vulnerability off. Reaching out for help is validating the core worth that you are connecting to within that is coming from an infinite source. Something in there is calling you and you are listening to it. Reaching out for help connects people. And when we share our stories and our struggles with each other, That will enable healing.
1: And Nadia, what do you say to someone to help that person get started on a healing journey?
0: I say sit quietly somewhere or wherever you're at and start breathing deeply to first feel safe in your body. And when we talk about mindfulness, mindfulness is a big word. But once we start through breath work to feel safe in our bodies, we can start to watch the thoughts. They don't go away. Shame will come in and our minds will fight us. But this is where we say, I am not a body nor the thoughts my mind makes. And we just observe. Ultimately, more and more breath work can lead to a quieter mind. It can lead to a connection to something beyond all of this physical life. But the first step, is really just finding that calm and that home, that home within you through breath work. And you will find a way to reach out for help.
1: The book is Home is Within You, a memoir of recovery and redemption. If you'd like to get more information about Nadia and her work, you can visit Nadia-Davis.com. Nadia, thank you so much for joining us. I, I can't agree with you more. Home is within you. And I know that you've been through some really horrific challenges in your life, but I am very happy that you have been here to share this time with us today and to share some of the lessons that you've learned. You are definitely changing lives, so thank you for
0: being here. Thank you so much. One of the most important benefits is how this is preventing generational trauma. So when we start within it has a multitude of ways out to those we love in our circles and around us. So again, thank you for anyone here that's on the journey and please remember you're not alone and thank you so much, Joan, for the work that you do.
1: Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative